And here we go, here we go! Raider Nation. Raider Nation. Welcome to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. Your home for the most real Raiders takes, predictive stats, and advanced analytics. We bleed silver and black. Here are your hosts, Raider Heart and Raspy Raider. What is good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. I am your host, Raider Heart, guys. And first off, we hope that you had a happy, healthy, safe, refreshing, whatever, recharging Thanksgiving uh, weekend. I hope that you, you know, were able to get that rest and relaxation, enjoy friends and family. And uh, we also hope that you enjoyed a little Black Friday gift from the Las Vegas Raiders giving us an upset victory up in the Pacific Northwest, beating the Seattle Seahawks 40-34, to another walk-off win, another overtime thriller, guys. It's really exciting here. Just to, just to have another victory Monday is, is something special this season. And we're going to talk about it today, guys. We're going to talk about this yet another walk-off win for the Las Vegas Raiders Of course, we cannot talk about this game without talking about the red-hot, record-setting day from Josh Jacobs. Looks like he may be the best back in football right now, guys. And is it that point in time, guys? Is it happening again? Are the Raiders heating up at the right time down the stretch again? There's going to be a lot of talk about that, guys, so we may as well start talking about it here today. But before we do any of that, guys, remember... Jump on social media, find us on Twitter at uh, silver underscore hack and join the conversation, guys. It's 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 completely, you know, blowing the the roof off this thing right now on Raider Twitter because of these these victories, because of Josh Jacobs, mainly, guys. I mean, it's on fire right now. So join the the discussion. Find us on Twitter and uh, make sure to spread the word. Let everybody know where you can find us. Anywhere and everywhere that you find your podcast at currently, you can find the Silver and Black Hack podcast. So you know what to do. Make sure to like, make sure to share, make sure to subscribe and turn those notifications on so you don't miss out on any of the fun. And a big part of the fun here at Silver and Black Hack is obviously the uh, the best co-host out there in Raider Nation, and that's Raspy Raider. Raspy, first off, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And man, did, did Josh Jacobs and the Raiders add a little sweetener to that pumpkin pie there at the end with that performance and victory? Well, likewise, my friend. And uh, you say uh, happy. I know I've brought far from happiness to nation on on the silver and black hack lately. It's been it's been tough, but. Uh, but I like to I like to think myself as you know to be an optimistic guy, man. And hey, right now, man, that was we are literally sitting on back to back walk off dubs, man, in overtime. Pretty impressive, man. That is hard to do in this league. You know, it's it's not an easy task, and we've done that. So, man, Josh Jacobs is. You'd be hard-pressed to find a better rep, a better running back right now in the game doing what they do, man. This guy 
is phenomenal, man. Again, just reassuring and, you know, reverberating <laughs> what we've talked about with 303 total yards, man. Boy, oh, boy. First player, first running back to rush for 225-plus and to catch 70-plus in receiving since 1950. Boy, this kid came through, man. It was impressive. I mean, you, you ought to be running out to uh, to sign him. I I was one of them that said I agreed with, you know, with declining the fifth-year option. And you know what? I'm going to stick with that, and I'm not going to apologize for it because we weren't getting this out of him. You know, I'd say the last four or five games of the season last year, he was really showing up and showing out, but not like this. This is like superseding and surpassing what he did in his rookie season, you know, going into his second year. This is just next level. This kid, I think declining his fifth-year option was the best thing that ever happened to this young man because he's about to go get paid. And if it's not with us, well, you know what? He's making a real, real valiant effort to show everybody in the league just how good he truly is. And, man, it's nice to see something from this debacle of the Khalil Mack trade actually work out for us. So I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And and I actually stand by what I said, too, that, you know, I think that they're going to keep the offense together the more, that, especially with another performance like this. I think that the the odds, the likelihood that they keep the offense, including, I mean, obviously, if you're keeping the offense together, that means Derek Carr as well. That's basically the linchpin with the whole thing. I think right. that they will uh, make a run to keep Josh around if they keep the offense intact. And if they do decide to keep the offense intact, I think that they they will and should resign Jacobs. I still stand behind if they if they're breaking this thing apart. You don't pay a running back thirteen or fourteen million dollars on a four and twelve team, but I don't think they're going to do that. And the 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 main point with Jacobs is that he has he has absolutely earned whatever the the paycheck is going to be, whether it's here or elsewhere. I do think it's going to be with the Raiders. It does, you know, there there is going to be some discussion with the Raiders only at thirty five million in, in cap space sitting right now, if my numbers are correct. And if you're giving thirteen million of that to your running back, we do have to have a discussion of how we're going to fix this defense. But I think they're going to work all that out. And that's for another day, but for, but for today, I think these numbers are worth, uh, you know, going over one more time. Raspy just went over the 300, 303 total yards from scrimmage. Hey, Art, tell, him how, tell, him, tell Nation how many teams he uh, outgained over the I'm getting there. I'm going to get there. I'm, I'm getting Sorry, there. I didn't, mean to cut, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm just waiting on that one. That is such an awesome stat. He just hit yeah. me with this earlier. Yeah, that yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit him with that. You know, the 86 yard walk off is you know one of the top plays in recent history. It's one of the longest touchdown runs. I mean, isn't it kind of wild that I think it was 35 years to the day of Bo Jackson's you know 90 yard touchdown run against the Seahawks on Monday night? The iconic one of the iconic runs of the 80s on Monday Night Football. They still show the clip every few years. You have this you know, 86-yard walk-off from Jacobs. I think that that was very fitting. 89.2, very, very – that's a dominant uh, pro football focus grade. That's elite according to their metrics. 
and here's the here's the the big reveal that you're waiting on. The 303 total yards, obviously a Raider record, most since 1950, and it was also more than the entire total net yards gained by the New York Giants, not the Giants, not just, you know, Saquon Barley, the entire offense, not just the running game, more entire yards, total yards on offense than the New York Giants, the Chicago Bears, the New Orleans Saints, them donkeys, let's ride, Houston, Texas, Texans, and the Los Angeles football Rams. So he outgained any any of those teams by himself, guys. So that's what kind of dominant game that this was. And, you know, I think it does bear to ask, you know, he, he did start showing this towards the end of last year. Like you said, he was great down the stretch, but he wasn't this electric. I mean, this is his, he's the best back in football right now. I, I, I don't think that we'd get too many people. Well, first off, I don't usually speak for you, Raspy, but I don't think you're – I think you mentioned that earlier in the show. And I don't think we get too many people out of Raider Nation that would be arguing. In fact, right now he's leading the NFL in rushing with over 1,100 yards. Um, we talked we about just, the 50-year option. On it. We just spoke on it last week. This dude was like literally at over 1,200, 1,300 all-purpose yards, and then he lays this down? I mean, wow. that was – I mean – Marshall Falk on his best day, like type of performance or better than that. And like you said, Falk had, didn't even have 300 total yards, you know? So, and it was slow progressing too. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it was slow progressing early in the game. He was not getting what he wanted. He was having to fight and dog for every yard he got in that first, probably 20 minutes of football. This kid did this in literally 40 minutes of ball. It was amazing. Yeah, he did. And obviously the OT was a big part of it, but he still has a huge day without the the OT and over 200 yards. And, you know, you look at this this situation here. Uh, there's a few people that were hitting us up on social media and, and making the point that, you know, obviously Josh Jacobs has been very dominant this year, but they also point out that, Wherever it doesn't matter who they seem to plug into this Patriots running attack, they always have an effective rushing game every year. And you know, a, a number of you were making the point basically that this is what it looks like when you have McDaniel's scheme with a special running back in it, where instead of a Sony Michelle or some of these, you know, um, just maybe average to above average back. So, Raspy, I'll throw it to you, man. Obviously, Josh Jacobs is having a special year. Obviously, he is more of the running back that he showed his rookie season and not so much as much uh, the, the running back from his sophomore slump season where he was more about social media and, and all this other stuff. He's gotten it all together. How much of this is Josh Jacobs? And do you, do you put any credence to the fact that McDaniel's offense does seem like it's unlocked him in a way that even Gruden, for all of his love of running backs and factor backs and all this stuff that he always, he always talks about, in a way that Gruden's offense – never really was able to. Well, like I spoke on just a little bit ago, man, I mean, he's just, 
I think the fifth year decline was the best thing that we could have done. I think it was the best thing for this young man. This dude comes from humble beginnings. You know, at one point, man, him and his family were living in their car, you know, before his Alabama days. So I get it how all of a sudden you make a lot of cheese and you're feeling you're feeling good. You know what I mean? And maybe some of that kind of went some of that work ethic and just that nose to the ground grinding type stuff maybe went away and i think that that decline of the fifth year option definitely humbled him and uh boy we are paying dividends now i mean it's just absolutely ridiculous and you'd be hard pressed to say anybody's playing any better ball than what this kid's doing and this is against teams that know he's he's it in the backfield you stop josh jacobs and shut that down bro you make this this offense look 100% different. We've seen it. But they were stacking. They were getting at him early. And it was, like I said, slow progressing early, man. But, boy, he turned it up, man. Kept plugging along. He's just keeping his head down. And you haven't heard a lot of words from him. He's just been letting it all, you know, he's doing his talking on the gridiron, man. And it's impressive as hell. And I'm with you. And I think even – Josh Jacobs would probably say, hey, man, I don't want to run behind any other O-line than the O-line I'm running behind right now. So if we can keep that intact, which it looks like there should be no reason in, in the world why we wouldn't be able to keep this intact, man, this could this could lead to him being here for a long time and continuing to uh, show the world that in this McDaniels offense, like you said, and I think one of the uh, – one of the guys that you had spoke on had mentioned that, like, this is what you, you know, you know, Brandon Bold and, you know, Jameer White and, you know, all but this is next level. You put a next level running back behind this McDaniels and, you know, led offense, man. You see that this kid, I mean, remember Corey Dillon coming out, you know, in his last couple of years, man, he was getting stifled in Cincinnati and just, you know, he came over to this offense, man, and just ran wild. So, I mean, Josh is way above that and can supersede that just because of his youth and exuberance that he shows that he obviously has in bunches. It looks dynamic, man. I don't know why he'd want to leave, to tell you the truth, at this point. But Money. Yeah, money. Absolutely. But I think that, you know, if we got to do that and keep this band together for one more year, I know it's going to be tough, but I, I can I can just only hope and Ziegler and these boys to make the right financial decisions to move around, maybe move on from certain guys and free up some money towards this defense. If they're not seeing that having a defense in this league right now is the most important thing, we're going to be yet again two, three years behind the trend. Don't do that. Get it going now. Fix this right now and get a defense. You know, look at the Jets over there, man. Hart mentioned something to me, just talking, him and I, just back and forth. I mean, they literally just sat, benched their franchise, all-in, Messiah-type quarterback because their defense, and Robert Sala believes that that defense can win you games. He just needed a little more efficiency and some more production from, you know, his quarterback on, on the offensive side of the ball, and they went out and won. Mike White went out and rolled. So, 
man, get your defense right, man. If we haven't figured that out by now, if we are going to run this back and try to keep the band together, man, if you're not focused on defense to try to help these guys, look back at the wins we've had, man. Yes, it's when the offense has been more productive, but it's also when the defense has been opportunistic and found ways to maybe get us the ball when otherwise, you know, we weren't getting it. So it's not a coincidence that these games where we have turnovers and get us the ball back on those, you know, unscripted, you know, unpredictable plays, we win the game. And we're going to get to the defense here um, a little bit later on after it will in the next segment, more or less. There were some good signs from the defense. Uh, if you just look at the scoreboard, you may not get that, but there, there was plenty to talk about on that side of it um, and more encouraging than it normally would be. But just to go back to the, to the run game here before we put a bow on that, you know, Jacobs definitely is looking spry. And I have to say, too, man, we finally got that Zamir White you know, yeah. sighting that we've been asking for. What, 12 yeah. yards per carry? I think he had yeah. only only had two or three carries, but that's still, I mean, it yeah, looked more like, like it looked in the preseason. Like, yeah, he had three carries for like 30-some yards, man. I mean, almost 40 yards. We'll take that. Hell yeah, that's a nice little change of pace. Bring him in there and, you know, allow Josh to get a breath when he's over there just murdering the team in front of him. He deserves a breath or two. And when Zamir came in, he showed us some spark, man, which is all I can ask from a young rookie. Yeah, I don't he know what's the for problem. Almost 300 yards, you know what I mean, between Zamir and Josh. So, right. And, right. And, you know, I'm not sure what the problem was with Zamir. Maybe, you know, the speed of the game. And some people act like running backs are the one position that are sort of exempt when they talk about the transition from, from the college game to the pro game, the biggest thing that everybody has said is the speed of the game is the number one thing that's the most, you know, alarming, the most shocking to your system. And, but, you know, I've, I've also heard people say that the running back position, you know, that's why you can find running backs in any round that are ready to contribute because they just, you know, run to daylight or whatever. But I, I do think that the speed of the game can be overwhelming. Those holes have to close so much faster than they do in college. So it's just nice to see Zamir White coming along. Hopefully that's a sign of that, that he's starting to pick up the game speed. And it, it, this is more of a sign of what's to come. I'm not saying that that if he shows it, they should move on from Jacobs. But we, No, hey, I, know. I having, see what you're saying. It's complimentary, man. He can just be complimentary, which is beautiful. You got to have that. I mean, if you could have another 15 carries when Jacobs is getting a rest or whatever, or you just don't want to put that extra mileage on him every week and you can still get that kind of, you know, those type of explosive runs up the middle, that's just going to benefit the entire offense. And, you know, with as dominant as Jacobs in this running attack was in this game, guys, you know, it really does alleviate a lot of pressure from the passing attack, but you still need the passing attack to complement what's going on on the ground. And I thought Derek Carr had some shaky moments early with the two INTs, one or two. One, Some people think both of them could have been avoided if guys were ready to make plays in the ball. But, you know, most likely one of those, not his fault necessarily, but the two picks still happened. But... 25 out of 36 for 295 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt. You're starting to see those yards per attempt really go up the last few weeks. 
three touchdown passes, the most since 2020 in any game that Derek Carr has had. 78 QBR, which is very good, obviously, guys, and the 98.7 quarterback rating. Raspy, I thought Derek Carr played very well off of this run game uh, for the second week in a row. You know, it's one thing, and hey, it's one thing if they're, they're doing this at home, but they're doing this on the road right now. I really do think Carr is starting to, you know, understand how to play off of a dominant running game, a running game that he, that's obviously and honestly more impressive and more dictating, more dominant than anything he's played with so far, probably in his entire career. I agree, man. It's, it's, and one thing that I'm going to go back to and, and is like the main thing that I have harped on him for is that completion percentage. It was always something that we saw in him that, would always at least be able to you kind of lean on that a little bit. You knew he was going to throw it at a nice percentage, 69.4 percentage completion rate. This That is big, man. When you are throwing him a damn near a 70% completion percentage, that's, that's what we need from him. So to see that go up from these weeks where it's been like 58, 57, 59, you know, Struggling under 60, man, that's tough. Those are those are tall, tall tasks. And just like you said, I believe the running game is, you know, it's predicated off that running game and the play action and just the ability to be able to, to dominate in the in the foot game, man. But uh, but yeah, seeing that completion percentage rate up there near 70 is what I think just speaks volumes about what he's capable of doing and what we kind of were used to for so long. So to see that rate, you know, and that percentage go up, man, I think that was what allowed him to come back. You know, you saw this guy's nation watching this game is the first play of the game on offense. They're throwing up a stat. Derek Carr hasn't thrown an interception, 114 pass attempts or whatever the hell it was, 140 some, whatever it was. It was like, don't do that. And sure enough, the next play, it's like, like it was scripted almost. Hart said this too. It's like Devontae's not ready to make the catch. And I truly don't put that one on Carr. I just it was just weird. It was like they they threw that stat up on this on the screen and I was like, dog, dude, don't do that. And the next play, he's got a pick. It was it was weird. It was crazy. Devontae was late on that. And I'm gonna call him on that because Devontae could have probably had another 15, 20 yards on the stat sheet right there if he catches that ball in stride. And I'm not saying it was the perfectly thrown ball, but Devontae was just flat out not even looking. So kind of hard to make a catch when you're not ready for it to come to you. So I don't put that one on car. The second one, eh, I'm not as big on saying it wasn't all his fault. But that first one, and, you know, think about that. That catch is made, that bumps him over that 70%, I'm sure, because he's, you know – 26 to 36. So it, he played really well. I was super hard on him, and I went on a freaking tirade that probably annoyed half of you guys in nation, maybe more. I know it. I get it. But I'm just, like I said, I'm frustrated. I was expecting us to kind of come back down to earth. The offense came out, and, you know, I'm thinking of myself, and I know probably half of you guys were like, man, this is the game. Like, it, it's already starting out like this. But to see 
you know, him bounce not only just Carr, but the whole team bounce back and, you know, going down seven nothing off a turnover right off the jump, finding a way to to be in this game at the end and uh to put what we put together as far as this run game and just overall offensively, we, we had five hundred and seventy six total yards of offense, man. You do that on a regular basis, you're gonna win. So did like the resolve and I like to see these guys fight back and I was impressed, you know. I, I got to eat a little bit of crow. Derek Carr came through, and, you know, he started off, and I could have easily been like, yeah, same old car. He bounced back, man. But that was – a lot of that was predicated off of just what type of day Josh had. I mean, it was record-breaking, phenomenal day. And uh, he sure as hell backed his quarterback up against them Seahawks. He did, and you talked about the his completion percentage – uh, in this game being up around 70%. It is starting to creep up the last few weeks. And, you know, he did throw those two interceptions. It was good to see him bounce back, especially on the road in a loud, crazy arena where that hasn't always been the case. Sometimes those those games, the, the snowball kind of built down and started rolling downhill against Derek Carr in some of those games, and he wasn't always able to uh, – to stop that momentum, but he did in this one. But you look at that one area that that completion percentage is even more impressive to me is because he paired that, we'll just call it a 70% completion clip with that 8.2 yards per per attempt. So it's not like he had 70, you know, percentage or 70% completion percentage and he's just throwing, you know, quick screens and dinking and dunking. He's throwing the ball downfield, at least in this ball game, he threw the ball down the field with that high completion percentage as well. And Raspy, you, you mentioned those interceptions, you know, Devontae, I think a lot of us said that Devontae looked like he wasn't quite ready for the football. There's still, they're still working out some of these kinks in this McDaniels offense, guys, the, the passing attack, Mike Pritchard, we go back to that quite often on this show, his article and his podcast where he talked about, the intricacies of this McDaniels offense. He's talking about the passing game. He's, it's more than the run game. The run game is more straightforward as we're seeing, but the, the passing attack, so many option routes, the receivers and the quarterback have to be reading the coverage the same way. They have to be seeing the same chessboard out there the same way. And I think that that's still an example where they may still not quite be on the same page like they're going to be if they if you know as as they continue to hopefully grow in this offense, you know Adams seven catches on seven targets, seventy four yards. Not the monster crazy game that that he's that he's always you know seems like he's always been having in recent weeks, uh, but still a very effective winning game from him. He had the insane one headed catch on the sideline. That's one Boy. of the best catches that I have ever seen. Um, Nasty. How how filthy was that, Raspy? I mean, it was it was something special. Hollins, four catches, sixty three yards. Foster Moreau, three catches, thirty three yards. Had some drops, but rebounded with a critical touchdown catch. But what really catches my eye, Raspy, and I want to ask you is, you know, Jacobs going back to him yet again with the three hundred three total yards. That was also six catches on seven targets for 74 yards. He also had an insane one-handed catch on a yeah, car. Where, 
one of Carr's, you know, rare miss targets in that game led him a little bit too far, and he hauled it in. But then Abdullah, three catches, 39 yards, and a touchdown. And Raspy, what I'm getting at, the point that I'm getting at is this. We talked about this when Josh McDaniel was, was brought in in the offseason, that one of the hallmarks and one of the things that we were really looking for to understand that – we were, you know, getting what we what we what we needed to see out of this offense to understand that Derek Carr was starting to feel comfortable here in this offense is the production from the backs in the passing game, Raspy. And you look at that, and between Jacobs and Abdullah, nine catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. Is that a sign to you that that Carr may be starting to get as well as these running backs too? That's always been a big part of the McDaniel's offense. Backs making huge impacts in the passing attack coming out of the backfield. To me, it looked like Carr. That's a sign to me that Carr is starting to get more comfortable and locked in in the system. Do you agree with that? I do. And just back to this McDaniel's, you know, passing attack, man. You know, we have what they call, you know, for every offensive passing attack is is your route tree. Well, McDaniel's route tree has uh, – a few more branches than most route trees do. I mean, it's it is a complex offensive scheme as far as the passing attack. There's a reason why one of the greatest ever do it was the greatest ever do it because this processing and the way he could, you know, meaning Tom Brady, the way he could go through that tree and and dissect offenses was the reason that they were just unstoppable for you know damn near twenty years. So, yeah, it, it's an intricate, you know, route tree, and it's got a bunch of other branches that maybe most don't. So, but, yeah, this is something that we begged upon. I just – I think we just I, – I just mentioned this a few weeks back about when, you know, in 2016, like how comfortable Carter looked being able to throw to Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington out of the backfield. I mean, it was one of our best offensive outputs, you know, in the last 20 years. You know, as far as season long. So you're seeing what that can do. And man, yeah, you're right. That catch from <laughs> the catch from Devontae was ridiculous, but man, that catch from Jacobs was just a thing of utter beauty and filth from a running back you just don't see very often. Um, Jacobs was uh taking it upon himself to do everything he possibly could to win us that game. And I love the change of pace with Abdullah out there because he's great catching the ball as well. When you got your off, you got, you know, a running back tandem getting you over 100-plus receiving yards in a game, man, that's going to be tough to deal with as a defense because you're, you're over here focused on tight ends and receivers and you got running backs spilling out of the backfield just killing you. That's tough, man. I mean, you're – and that's how you attack a team at every level. And again, something that we thought we were going to see and expected more of, but Hey, it's coming. So if this is the, if this continues this season and we continue to see growth in the, all these areas that we've been begging for, and it's just later than we thought, there's another reason why I think that, you know, a lot of teams are suffering from this, not playing preseason ball with all these new pieces it, we're not the only ones that are affected by it. Trust me. So, you know, Josh Allen at times is, is having issues with that. Russell Wilson is struggling with that. I mean, I get it. We're 10, 11 weeks in of, of actual football games, 
But there's something to be said about getting some of those kinks out and working on this timing and stuff. I mean, hell, Hart just said it earlier. There's still some, a little bit of hiccups in the connection with Carr and Devontae. I mean, this is the first time they're playing NFL legitimate football together. This wasn't at Fresno State where, you know, Devontae, you just be in a, you know, 10-yard radius or vicinity, and I'm just going to throw it to you. The windows are a lot tighter in the NFL, so it takes time. And if that's what it is, and I got to eat crow and say, hey, man, that I just didn't, I wasn't patient enough, then, you know, I fall to what we all fall to in this day and age where you want results and you want them right now. It's tough, man. It is tough. It is tough. But, you know, if we're in the situation that we're in anyway, Raspy, you know, like Parcells, yeah. you can say. As long say, as you see progression, then I'm, I'm with it. Yeah, that's all you can ask for. You know, you're re- you are what your record says. You are like Parcells says, but or had said in the past. But, you know, if you're going to be here, you need to be progressing. You look at look at how you you talk about the, the the donkeys and Wilson. Look at Wilson and Hackett. I mean, they can't say that. They can't say that there's progression through no. all these struggles. They can't say that. Okay, it's not looking like it's going to happen this year, but clearly we figured it out, and next year we can have some momentum. They can't say that. There's other teams that that really can't say that as well. And back to something that we touched on in the preview show i believe it was or in one of our recent shows it was really nice you know adam's 74 yards again he didn't set the world the nfl on fire or anything like that but it was still a very productive game and when your running game is going off like that you know it you you ride that horse but raspy to me adam's seven for 74 paired with jacob's 303 total yards to me, McDaniels passed that test. He he was able to activate both of those weapons again in the same game, and it's becoming clear now it may be very difficult. It may be a pick-your-poison with with defenses going forward. I don't know that you can really devote what you need to to, to, to take care of Devontae and Jacobs in the same game. I think you're spot on, and I that's and you, and then you mix in Hollins with sixty plus and some nice big you know nice chunk right. plays, and then you get Moreau in there with three and thirty plus, and probably should have had you know five for sixty seventy plus. So, I mean, you it, you can can continue to evolve and to mix in you know a little bit of little bit of sugar with that spice, man. It's it's going to be nice. There's no doubt. I mean, you're seeing it right now. He's, he's finding a way, like you said, to get them both involved. And I'll tell you right now, seven catches for 74 yards, man, man that's nothing. Like you said, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, it wasn't a throw it to Devontae 18 times, you know, for 78 yards kind of day. I, and I'm cool with that. I am totally okay with that. And I bet you Devontae is too when it comes down to winning ball games. He's got his yards and he'll continue to get them. And there's going to be days where we're going to have to lean on him a little bit harder. But when you're running like that and you're just, as the game continues, you just become more and more monstrous on the ground. Well, then hell yeah, let's run this team out of here. The only thing Jacobs was missing is running into that tunnel and just rolling out. Yeah, all uh, Bo Jackson, you know, I mean, and speaking of that run, too, man, I, I think it needs to be mentioned. Mac Hollins made a hell of a block on that run, too, on the, the corner that Jacob still may have scored, but there's a chance that he gets dragged down, at, you know, about 20 yards down. It still would have been an explosive run either way, but he could have gotten sandwiched between the safety that was 
knifing down to to close on him. And if Hollins doesn't block the corner, there is a chance that they could have sandwiched him and taken him down. Yeah. And who knows if he doesn't take that to the house, nothing is guaranteed in that game at so, all. So you're so right. It's so nice to see Mac two weeks in a row in the background. Like y'all didn't mess up now because it was last <laughs> week with Devonte and it was this week with Josh Jacobs. He's in the background just pumping. Go he was giving him the bird. He was giving the bird wings, bro. The flapping. I seen I seen him pump fist one time and kind of go out of frame. But I was like, yeah, he's like later, dudes. Two weeks in a row, Mac Collins has been, you know, the Raiders' best cheerleader. <laughs> you know, watching them, watching them walk off, man. They don't get much better than that. I mean, it really doesn't. I had to crack a laugh, man. You know, the replay. You just see Jacobs. You know, just sprinting into the open field, you know, to the 20-yard line and, and obviously going to score. And then you look back and you just see Mac Hollins with his long-ass wingspan flapping those wings, <laughs> give it doing all the, the, give the 12th the man, the, give it him the wings, man. <laughs> doing the 12th man, you know, Seahawk fly in the background. I love it. It's good stuff. Flying him all the way back to Vegas with those wings, man. Uh, yeah, Mac Hollins, you know, how awesome was that trick play, too, man, to, to Hollins yeah. on the touchdown? Man, Josh McDaniels had some real bangers in this one. Remember the uh, that really weird jet sweep, that double jet sweep that he, that he yeah. pulled off that would have been a nice explosive run that got called back? He has some real bangers in his playbook, man. And I like that flea flicker because most times you're running that flea flicker out of the shotgun, and it's you've got your quarterback with all kinds of room. You know, and it's like slow developing. This one was like a bang bang flea flicker, which I haven't really seen a whole lot of. And it was like it was really ugly in the middle of right there of the defense at the line of scrimmage. And that kick back the car, he had to get rid of it fast. But it was like a bang bang flea flicker, which usually those are really like I said, slow developing plays. This one was like a quick hitter flea flicker, which man, that's that's a nice play. I mean, obviously when they work, you're you're saying they're beautiful and when they don't you're saying what the hell are you doing but i just that one at that moment it was the perfect play call because you had them up jacobs was making them super honest and bringing them all up in the box so you hit them with like this just quick quick hitter flea flicker and mac is just rolling so i i liked it too i mean it was a hell of a play call McDaniels mm -hmm. is showing us something, man. I know everybody, you know, a couple weeks ago, we haven't been on that on that bus. We've been saying we gotta we gotta roll and we gotta give a guy more than, you know, eight, twelve weeks to to do his thing and implement his system. And that's something that we've been really hard on, you know, Al in the past is not letting, you know, somebody kind of instill their system. I think McDaniels is showing you a little bit here that there's something worth investing in the future and giving him some time to implement what he's trying to do. You know, you bail on a guy that quick, man, you're never going to know. So it leaves to nothing else. I like the fact that Mark said, Hey, we're going to give him some time. He's going to get another year. We all pretty much knew that I I'd rather him do that than to us just be kind of flapping in the breeze. Like the donkeys are not knowing if their quarterback or their coach is going to get, you know, canned, week to week you gotta have some type of stability and it looks like he's showing that it's 
there's a high probability of it paying off. Yeah, because we know jo- we it's it remains to be seen exactly how high Josh McDaniel's ceiling is his second time around as a head coach. But one thing I'm pretty comfortable saying right now, Raspy, is that he's not. You mentioned it. He's not Nathaniel Hackett. Um, he's not no. that type of guy. He's he's not on when when you know with us a few years ago, several years ago now, where he's and just in over Dennis his head. Al- or or Dennis Allen right now trying to coach again, looking like he's struggling. Right. He's not he's not that type of coach. And yeah, man, he had some real bangers. That delayed slant to Josh Jacobs, I believe that was in the fourth quarter too, was was just I've never seen yeah. never seen that that type of design before. Uh, so it was a really a, he had some questionable play calls and some critical the down. One, but yeah, the one that I really hated was the fourth down toss sweep on like a half yard to go. You got to be able to trust that Derek can lean forward for six inches, or at least just play smash mouth and run it up. So, but that's the thing, though. I mean, we're so hard on these guys, and you know, you know, lazy, lazy boy quarterbacks sitting in our chairs. You know, it's different. But I didn't like that one. But for that, with everything else he put out there, as far as the offensive. You know, play calling and designs. I'm going to give him a pass on that one. He seems like he's fixed the red zone issues too. But the thing about it too is, you know, I didn't like that. I didn't like that play call either. But we've said this before, Raspy. I've said this before, and I'm usually a Derek Carr supporter. Derek Carr does not like to do quarterback sneaks. This is not I the know. first time that we've seen this. This is not the first coach that we've seen not call a quarterback sneak when just about we and we've seen how many times have we seen call the quarterback sneak with with Brady right in New England it was all the time that's why I sprinkled in the just run north and south you know what I mean I don't know the way he was the way he was dictating in the trenches as far as when when I'm saying that I mean in Josh Jacobs I just feel like setting him out there on the edge on a delayed toss sweep was not the right call but again I'm not going to sit here and nit- nitpick and every single play call I'm going to pick apart because, hey, man, we've also got first downs on those toss sweeps in crucial situations, you know, earlier in the season. So, it you know, worked. you win oh, some, wow. you lose some, man. That's the, way, that's the way it goes, and I get it. And, and I'm just not going to be one of those guys that's, you know, harping on every single tiny thing this guy does. For the most part, man, we're seeing, like you said, progression. Denver is seeing zero of that, so they have nothing to vote on, you know, nothing. At least Car- even Carolina, they're seeing that, hey, man, our defense is really damn good. We can go get the right quarterback in place. Same kind of with Denver, but Denver's screwed now because they're going to get a top-five pick that they're handing right over to Seattle. So that just warms my heart. But, uh, but like, like the Panthers, they they got a defense, man. They held Baltimore to 13 points the week before this. They're not a joke. Carolina's got a defense over there. They can play some ball. So they just, you know, they're at least progressing and to show progression is, is all you can ask in a season where things are not going the way you wanted them to. But we are under a lot of, you know, there's a lot of newness. So I I like what I've seen the last two weeks as far as our resolve. Teams not quitting on their coach, like all this nonsensical talk that was going on that these guys were bailing on their coach and the locker room was lost. Well, man, I would have uh, 
would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that locker room last night. Well, I saw the the videos are out there, and the, it was just yeah. basically the no, same celebration that you saw the week before. Tidbit, you get a tiny little tidbit. I would have loved to have been on. <laughs> I'd love to have been in there for an hour after that game. No, I get you, but the tidbit is all that we need to see what kind of environment was in there, and it looked the exact same way as it looked the week before, just a euphoric locker room. And, you know, I get the play call questions with McDaniels, but just to defend it a little bit, there was a sequence earlier in that game where we had a third and one or two and tried to go right up the middle with Jacobs, and he got stopped. There was also a, a sequence earlier in that same game where it was a third and short that they pitched to Jacobs that he did pick up. So the, that play call did work in a third and short earlier in that game and running up the gut earlier in that game in the similar situation did not work. Although I don't disagree with you guys in, in that situation, the quarterback sneaker up the gut probably is the better play call. But more importantly, though, Raspy, um, the, that young offensive line, you talked about it briefly. We're going to talk about the defense after a break here in a second, but that was one of my questions. Would they hold up to the 12th man, the, you know, the noise, you know, would they, would they allow the pass rush to get a leg up on them? You know, would they respond to the silent counts? Would they have a bunch of penalties, false starts, man, opening up those rushing lanes, Derek Carr only sacked one time, had plenty of time in the pocket to go through his progressions and they held up to the holding their water at the line, Raspy, what do you think about this young, mostly young offensive line, actually all young offensive line with Colton Miller? Yeah, they really are all young, man. I uh, Andre James coming back was such a catalyst to this thing getting turned back around. But also, man, Alex Bars, this kid is outside of himself, man. He is balling. I say kid, he's a veteran at this point. He's been in the league six, seven years, but Man, what a boost he has given this offensive line and just solidified that spot on the line. We've had so much, you know, we we were saying the first few weeks, like, who the hell are our starters on, on the offensive line? Outside of Miller, we didn't know. But Hart did his research, realized that it wasn't that big of a surprise. This is kind of what New England's done and what they've, you know, the McDaniels-led offenses there have done. They've they figured it out on the fly kind of thing. And, man, these guys, man, Illuminor, you know, freaking James, Bars, all, all these boys, man, they're just – they're playing Parham. really good ball. Yeah, Parham, freaking uh, – they're just – like I said, man, you're just getting really, really good play from some young bucks, man. And it shows – that the coaching right there, as far as the offensive line is concerned, man, is on point, and these guys are getting things done. Man, Thayer Mumford's getting in there and getting things done, and it's it's impressive, man. And let's not get it twisted, man. <laughs> Jacobs wouldn't be having this kind of scenario type season, you know. This scenario wouldn't even be an option if it wasn't for this O line and all the dirt they've been doing in the trenches, man. It's been very, very. Very impressive. I can't stress that enough. Alex Bars has been, I'd say almost, you know, him and James have been the catalyst of this thing getting turned around. And then you get, and then you lose Miller, you know, last week, and these guys step up and can play there too. It's like, man, to plug and to be able to plug and play like this is, it's nice, man. That's that's a luxury most teams don't have. It's the very definition of what coaching is, right? Right. 
they just took what they had and made it and made it better. They didn't go out and, and panic and bring in a bunch of high priced veterans like a lot of you wanted. Talking about there's no defense. You guys wanted to spend even more on this offense. I can't believe that, but that's what we heard all off season. And then you guys, the same people complain that the defense sucks. Do the math, guys. Learn about the salary cap. You can't spend like that. But this is the very definition of coaching, right, guys? Because they just took they literally they just took the ragtag bunch that they, it's like a, one of those those movies you know where there's just a ragtag like the suicide squad or something a ragtag bunch they have to be molded into a fighting force the dirty dozen and that's what they did and we've had so many for all the talk about how great you know some of the offensive line coaches that are out there you don't always see that you know you you just don't always see that so we thought Tom Cable was something special. And I don't even know that he did anything to this degree. They, they always had to bring in and make moves for him or draft players in the early in the first round for him. So very impressive job by this young offensive line. Can't say enough about the coaching and the players taking the coaching and putting it out there on the field. So Raspy, you got anything else on this offense? Or are you ready to get into the defense? Because there actually is something to talk about for once. No, I'm I'm ready to get into that for sure, man. Carmen Brasillo is literally it's the first he's the first time offensive line coach for us, man. You know, has 17 years of coaching experience, but man, this guy I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of that's McDaniels too, man, but this tree goes down and down and down, and these guys are just getting it done, man. I was I was just curious myself to see who the hell is our offensive line coach because this guy's this guy's got some he's got some gusto man I'm impressed but no let's get into this defense man and uh, that's something nice to say without being like a frustration you know turn into the segment about the defense the defense actually surprised some folks me included yeah and we'll get to that. Um... We'll get to that next. We're going to talk about the defense, Max Crosby, with another big day and some other surprise performances on that on that side of the ball. We're going to get to all of that after a quick message from Boosteroid. Introducing Boosteroid Cloud Gaming. Guys, the console wars are over. Boosteroid allows you to turn the devices that you already own, your smart TV, your phone, even your laptop, into a next generation video game console or the equivalent of an expensive gaming PC, all for what less than what it would cost you for a single night out at the movies, guys. And we're not talking about retro games or emulation here. We're talking next-gen AAA titles like Elden Ring, Call of Duty. I just actually tried out Cyberpunk 2077 on my old aging non-gaming laptop. I mean, terrible gaming setup. And I was able to easily achieve smooth 60 frames per second, 1080p resolution, guys. I was really blown away. Very, very minimal latency. I know that that's a major concern. It was hard to tell I wasn't playing on local on my local Xbox console. It was that responsive. They even tell me that 4K gaming is on the way by the end of the year. So 
that's going to be you know right around the corner there so the technology is already super impressive and it's gaining at you know at, at a pretty quick rate so 4k gaming for you 4k gamers out there is right around the corner and it's super easy to get started guys just sign up with promo code boost 17 that's promo code boost 17 and just click and play and they'll even throw in a handful of free games for you to try out right away really good popular games like world of tanks and destiny 2 just to name a few for you to just you know try out right away guys and i guarantee you you will be blown away so the console wars are over console free gaming has arrived with boosteroid and make sure to sign up right away boosteroid cloud gaming we'll catch you in the clouds what's up raider nation welcome back to the silver and black hack podcast i'm your host raider heart back with you for segment two We've got Raspy Raider back with us as well. And in this segment, it's all about the defense. And while, you know, 40-34, it's not going to bring any, you know, conjure up any images of the 2000 Ravens or the 85 Bears in terms of a defensive showdown. And, And I will admit the defense wasn't great necessarily, but Raspy, it's... It, you know, this defense wasn't necessarily built to be great this year. And if they can't be great, they're out there making plays, and I'll take that. Well, yeah, and if they can't be great, at least be opportunistic, you know what I mean? And that was something that we we were every bit of that yesterday. And quite frankly, in the wins that we have had, is the defense is, you know, Created some opportunities for the offense, man. I mean, our offense put this defense in a bad spot two separate times. You know, we basically, you know, could have been 14 points. We handed over on the scoreboard, ended up only being 10, which isn't great. But, hey, the defense obviously showed, you know, a little bit of bend but not break on that second turnover and got some of their own, which put us in positions to – to stay in this game. So that's all you can ask, man, because like he said, man, we just don't have money on the books for these guys. We just don't. So you can't expect some, you know, nickname defense out there when you're, you know, third in the league and spending. So you get what you get, but man, they sure as hell played some pretty good defense yesterday, even in a game where you give up 36. I mean, take the 10 away that the offense basically gifted, you know, the Seahawks, man, that's a 40 to 26 ball game, or it doesn't even go to OT and you win, you know, 34 to 26. So, you know, exactly would have been like 24. Said, we, break it, we break it down, but we're going to build you up when you're playing well. And the defense flat out came out and did their job, man. We're opportunistic and made some big plays when they needed to. If they actually would have only given up 24. It was actually uh, 40 to 34. So it would have. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, I'm two points off then. So that's the magic number for Carr right there. It is. And if if that would have held up, we don't know if it would have, but if it would have held up that those 10 points just wouldn't have been there otherwise, then that would have been the first time that we actually hold a team under their season average of scoring. And the Seahawks have a good offense. I mean, you know, 26 points per game or whatever they were averaging going in they actually add to that number but it, you know those those turnovers 
you know, there's a stat in basketball that, that we're all very familiar with points off of turnovers, right. That, that you've given up. And that's very much applicable to the Raiders yesterday. They, they do give up. They basically had uh, six points in the bag with those turnovers. Cause unless their field goal kicker misses a very makeable NFL kick, those are already in the bag and we can't sneeze. They did hold them out of the red zone with one of those turnovers. We can't, with this defense, we can't sneeze on any time that they no. hold an opponent out of that, out of the red zone, man, out of the scoring a touchdown. Right. So, yeah, and that first one, we basically gave it to them, Damien, they're in the red zone. Cause that was like the first play of the game, you know? So. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Got to give them some love there. You, you do. And it was, you know, obviously we, we need to start, with the you know the guy that stirs the drink for the Raiders defense, and we know who that is. It's it's Crosby. That's no surprise to any of you guys out there, and it was also no surprise to any of you guys out there that he was flat out dominant once again. One and a half sacks, Raspy. Uh, you know where do they have the numbers here? Uh, three extra uh, effective pressures on top of that. Seven pressures overall. He also had that critical play. Uh, and I think it was in overtime where it was a third down and five and he didn't get the sack, but he forced the incompletion by grabbing a hold of Geno Smith's arm. Just another game and more dominance from Max Crosby. Yeah, man, he's just been flat out. He's just becoming more and more of what we've asked of him to be. You know, not just a guy who's going to get you, you know, eight to 12 sacks, but a guy who's going to change games, change the trajectory of games and allow us to get W's, you know, to to put games away. And, man, he looks like he's doing that in bunches at this point because, let's be honest, folks, last week against the Donkeys, he, he won us the game. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. That's what we need, man. And even Jones, you know, Chandler Jones got in there and had, what, was it six or eight effective pressures? Let's see. He had four effective pressures, four. but eight pressures to lead the team. I mean, yeah, that's what we've been asking. That's what we were expecting. Obviously, you'd like to see the sacks too, but the effective pressures are almost they—they they can either be a sack or they're almost as good of a sack yeah. if you're forcing an incompletion or a turnover, isn't this what we're much more in line with what we're expecting from, from Jones? So this is exactly what we were expecting. We didn't go pay the man 50 plus million dollars for three years to, you know, to not affect the game. So I'll take that. And I mean, I know it's not what we paid for, but Hey, at least if <laughs> He's obviously, in their eyes, the best option to have out there. I don't know if it's because of the contract or it's because of sheer talent. I think Malcolm King should get some more run. And uh, let's talk about effective pressures and a guy who had one of the best pressure rates, you know, of any guy above, I think it was 50 or 60 snaps last season. He was one of them. He was leading that charge. So, I don't know. Well, either way, got to give some love there. They got that done, man. Just want to see some Malcolm Coons sprinkled in there too would be nice for me. I mean, I, yeah, I hear you with Malcolm Coons, but at least for this game, Raspy, 25 uh, traditional team pressures, nine effective pressures as a team. You know, we talked about Jones and Crosby 
with seven of those nine effective pressures between them. But man, this is the first time Raspy that I watched the Raiders this season where it reminded me a little bit of, of last year's defense with Bradley nation. We were higher on Bradley and his defense than 60, 70% of all you guys out there were last year. And even, you know, wanting to retain him this year, this is the first time it kind of reminded me of the way that Bradley's defensive lines played because you had the two guys on the edge getting the pressure obviously but this is the first time that the defensive tackles joined the party raspy you, you know Bilal Nichols we expected a lot more from him he finally showed up with four traditional pressure um, traditional pressures rather he also had one effective pressure which was uh, basically a, a sack that he had half a sack and Andrew Billings, he's had a very up-and-down season with this defense. He started off very, very, very good against the run. Wasn't getting the pressure on the quarterback like we liked, but he first month of the season or so, he was very good against the run. Then his even his play against the run sort of ticked back a little bit in the, you know, the, the week or two after that, but he's really come back with that again, holding um, – holding Walker to, what was it, 2.9 yards per rush, I believe it was. Um, yeah, held Kenneth Walker. No, it was 1.9 per, per carry. He's even better than that. Um, he had uh, two half a sack, so we'll, we'll count that as a sack. A tackle for loss, two quarterback hits, and an 88.5 pro football focus Grade for this game. Raspy, the big boys join the party for once in this one. That's all you can ask for, man. We talked about it, man. Stop the run on your way to the quarterback, man. It's amazing what you get when, you know, Chandler's pressures go up in a huge way. Max is always going to feast, but in and then just them kind of feeding off each other, meaning Nichols and uh, Billings. And even Tillery got in there and got some work done too. I think he's been kind of a, maybe he was that fire that some of these guys needed to be like, oh man, they're bringing in guys right now to to fill our, you know, positions. And, you know, right. that sometimes that can light a fire under guys too. And Tillery had a decent game too. So, right. It, man, it just so much is predicated off of. I mean, the Chiefs. This is a team that I think about real quick. I mean, even the Rams too, just because of the pressure they get internally. Man, it makes everybody on their defense look better. When you can get pressure like that internally, it just resonates backwards. You know, your edges are gonna have better days. Your linebackers are going to have less time to have to cover. You, you know, your DBs, the same kind of thing. Guys can crash to the ball. It's just so much is predicated off of if you can push that pocket internally, man. I mean, you've seen it. Mahomes, that's – and it's not even Mahomes. It's just anybody, any good quarterback. You press that pocket and give these guys nowhere to go and do it early and often, man – it's hard to play football as a quarterback when you got these big uglies just bearing down on you off the snap internally. You're you're hoping that there's like somewhat of a wall built there so you can analyze. Well, when guys are just tearing that wall down, you know, from the point of attack and the snap of the ball, yeah, you're gonna make every quarterback look average. 
You are. And, you know, Raspi, we've talked about it and certainly the nation has, this has been one of the biggest topics of conversation, not just this season, but I mean, probably, you know, over a decade, we've been talking about this defense, but just focusing on this year's defense, there's been so much talked about Raspi, you know, this defense, this defense needs so much help, right? That there's, we've said it too. I've said it myself. This defense needs so much help. Max Crosby needs so much help. But I wonder, I mean, obviously it's true, but is it as true? Is this defense as dire, is in need of dire help as we think? Because just off the top of my head, I think we're undefeated this year when literally anybody other than Max Crosby gets a sack, we've been undefeated, I believe. And the defenses look much better in those games. So it's like literally – you know, we do need more talent on this defense. I'm not trying to say that this defense is good enough as it is, you know, Max and, you know, what we have around him. But it just goes to show that we may just need just a little bit more help that would reap huge dividends on the back end if we just had one or two other guys that could sprinkle in consistent playmaking. In addition to Crosby, this could be a completely different defense, Rasby. This could be a completely different season right now. I totally agree, and I think when it comes down to defense, man, it's it's two two big things that are gonna, you know, dictate how that goes. And it's scheme number one, because you could have the best players in the world if they don't know where the hell they're supposed to be. We've seen it, you know, where guys just look flat out confused. Scheme and playmakers, man. We need another playmaker or two, whether that be Nate Hobbs coming in off his injury and starting to show that he's a true number one guy that can actually make plays. We need some help with the safety. I don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, Deron Harmon, let's face it, man, he's he's getting older every day. You know, obviously that's the truth for everybody, but, you know, even more so in a guy in his 30s. Merrick needs a lot of work. We need, we need a better scheme and playmakers. And it's just flat out, it's pretty obvious. I'm going to be pretty hard on Patrick Graham on that because I just don't think the scheme has been – conducive to anybody, any of the talent that we have, you know, right now. I mean, you're just seeing, like, high-motor guys just making plays kind of on their own. I don't think it's scheme set up. We're not stunting and twisting and doing a bunch of crazy stuff at the line. These guys were just bullying. So I think a lot of that can be, you know, because you can't go fill every void, man. We don't have the money, period. So you're going to have to go and get the proper guys to be able to help us just with some more playmaking capability. And flat out, it's got to be schemed differently or at least understood better because if you're going to stick with this guy, man, then we need to just put in some extra time and make sure that everybody on this defense knows exactly how this thing runs. Because I'm sorry bringing in higher IQ guys, I've it sounds nonsensical to me. You have to make sure all these guys are smart. They all went to college. They all went through the rigmarole to get through and to get their way to the NFL. So they're not dummies. Write this down. If that takes some extra time or some different meetings or some extra things that need to take place, then do that. But scheme and playmakers. So Hart's not wrong. I don't think you need to go and revamp everything. You need to get a couple more playmakers on this defense. And your scheme has to be able to fit what you're trying to do. you got to have a plan, man, a philosophy. We've talked about this, too. Are we going to stop the run, or are we going to be that no-fly zone? 
build it up one way or the other and and push towards that and find yourself some direction, man. Because I do think there's – I mean, you saw it, man. I mean, there's capable players on this team to have a good defensive output. We just did it. Yeah. So and that's got to come back to coaching as far as I'm concerned, you know. It does. Uh, I do think that this team does need more defensive talent. But here's the thing, though, and, and a lot of this is going to be for the offseason, but I'll just say this. A lot of you guys in Nation, especially in Raider Twitter, you guys, there seems to be almost a consensus that the best way to fix this defense is to draft. Guys, I don't know how many times that we have to go through this because uh-huh. we we expect you, you all because a lot of you, it's the same guys that are saying that we shouldn't draft a quarterback because a rookie quarterback's not going to come in and be able to have this output right away. It's going to take a couple of years. But yet the same guys arguing for that say that four or five rookie defenders are going to step in day one and dominate and pick up Patrick, Patrick Graham's very complex scheme that veterans, veteran defenders have had a very difficult time picking up. They're just, we're just going to draft three to four studs on defense that are going to walk on to be pro bowlers from the very first rep of training camp. That doesn't sound very likely to me either. I want to see them, if they're going to keep Graham Raspi, I, I agree that they need to address it with free agency um, at least as a, a huge yeah. part of that plan. I mean, and obviously build towards it through the draft. Hart's not saying don't, you know, draft good young players, obviously. But if you need guys that you need guys that are going to be able to come in and impact now. And if you're going to sit here and we've done it, man, Gruden was the worst at it. It was like, oh, we're just going to, you know, he was trusting like Clee Farrell to fill Khalil Max void. I mean, come on, man. That's, that, was, that was an impossible feat. No wonder Farrell struggled. No wonder he – first off, I don't think he should have been drafted where he was, but that's not his fault. But that was like you just like trying to have a, a young guy have to come in and fill a void that he's just not ready to fill at that point. You can't have a guy, you know, a young kid come in and try to fill a void of a guy who's probably going to be wearing a gold jacket when it's all said and done. You know what I mean? I mean, and want it instantaneously. Those are insurmountable odds. I'm sorry. There's the rare guys that are going to come in and do that. I mean, I'm thinking back, like, you know, guys on defense, you know, top, top tier guys that have really just flat out shine that have been drafted in the top 10. I mean, there's Pat Sertan. He was kind of an instant impact type guy. JC Horn was pretty good, but he was battling injuries, dealing with that stuff. This uh, leaning on, I'm sorry, leaning on kids for the, you know, for lack of better words, to, you know, to fill a man's role instantaneously. I think you're tripping, you know? And this is one thing else I'll say on this Raider Nation is that a lot of you guys, again, you want to fix the defense predominantly through the draft. And number one, we've tried that. Raspy just said we've tried that numerous times before. And again, it's the same guys saying that we don't draft or develop well, want to draft and fix the defense. Number two, maybe that's why our defense, our defensive players don't develop because we did, we have spent some serious draft capital from Reggie McKenzie to Mayock on defense. And a lot of them, the vast, outside of Crosby and Hobbs, really none of them have panned out. Maybe that's why. Maybe drafting kids and and not only expecting them to develop, but to produce and and to be positive impact players right away, Cleveland Farrell, the list goes on and on, 
Trayvon Mullen, Garyon Conley. I mean, it, Jihad Ward. I mean, it just goes on and on and on, guys. Maybe that's why our defense, our young defenders don't develop. Maybe they're put in to, to – they're asked to step into situations that they're not ready for, and they don't even have time to develop. We're not asking them to develop. We're asking them to be impact players right away. Yeah, and that's a tall order, man. But don't you think that could affect their development? Absolutely, man. You You can stifle guys. It's just like young quarterbacks putting them in too early when they're not ready, man, and, and having them be the guys to, you know, the lead lead the way. And they might have some semblance of success, man, but it's not going to be prolonged. It's just not. I mean, you see it. They're, Kyler Murray's one of them. Baker Mayfield's one of them. I mean, there's countless Carson Wentz. I mean, yeah, you might have some early success, but teams are going to figure you out real quick, dude. You have, there's one thing you have to have in this league, man, is it's it's staying power. And that comes from better just becoming a veteran in this league. And sometimes guys take a little more than others, man. So when you throw a guy to the fire and ask for some, you know, insurmountable expectations don't be surprised when you get let down that's not fair dude going into like the most one of the most athletic sports in all of the world (laughs) where you have to be it's five second five second increments where you have to be on fire all the time so well just think about it raspy what will would you do this in any, any other sort of situation? Say that you have a, a boxing or a fight gym, right? That's what and I'm saying. Say, say that you see this young 17, 16, 17-year-old 17 fighter that you think has the goods but still needs to develop, but you see the talent. Would you sign that kid and say, okay, we have you now, and these are the areas we need to improve in your stand-up and your ground game. But So we need you to develop in these areas, but we also need you to beat John Jones in two months as well. Yeah. Like need or, to, or, yeah, need you to or, beat Tyson. <laughs> right, we need you. We need you to outpoint Mayweather and still while you're getting better. We, yeah. we, that's what we need you to do. Or in basketball, man, we really love your talent coming out of Duke, but you need to get better in these different areas. You need to get your body stronger. Oh, by the way, we need you to defend Luka Doncic this Thursday. You ready for that too? That just doesn't fly. So I think the Raiders shoot themselves in the foot by doing that. And number one, your defense doesn't get better. And number two, your young players aren't don't develop as well. I really believe there's something to that. No, I I, I can't argue with you on that. I mean, it's like I said, insurmountable expectations, man. You can't do that. You just can't do it. You gotta be. You gotta live in the realness, man, in the world, man. You gotta go get guys right now that they're too, every year. There are good players out there in free agency, man. You got to go get those good players, solidify those, find your holes or weaknesses, and try to fill them the best you can. And then you do it through the draft, too, but you don't expect those draft picks to do it year one. You can't put next season's success on an improving defense on a draft class. You just can't do it. We've tried it before. It's just as dumb as you guys say in drafting a quarterback and expecting him to beat Mahomes next year. It's just the same thing. It's just as stupid. You know, Raspy, you talked about scheme with with Graham, and that's when you talk about Patrick Graham, that's the first thing that comes up. His scheme is complicated. He has had success, or at least more success elsewhere than he's had so far with the Raiders. He did still have some issues with coverage again yesterday. 
Gino Smith, just real quick, Gino Smith, 27 to 37, 328, 8.9 yards per attempt, very similar to Derek Carr's afternoon there. Two touchdowns, Perriman got the interception. They did hold Geno Smith to just a 41.1 QBR, although they did give up that same Joe Montana, Patrick Mahomes-esque 106.6 rating. But Raspi, just before I throw it to you real quick, I thought that they did struggle covering more than we would like to, obviously. But I did think that at least Patrick Graham didn't sell out as much to stop the run. We stopped the run very well anyway. But I thought that he mixed up the coverages a little bit better this week. Um, point in case, you have Denzel Perriman that gets that that interception on the cover two call. I thought that that was a timely call, but there is still work to be done. Well, absolutely. And he, and he pulled some quarters covers out there, too, where he was bringing guys down and, and putting guys in situations to at least be close to the ball at the point, dude. I mean, we have watched it at nausea, you know, over the season, guys catching the ball and being able to turn and burn with nobody within three to five yards of them, sometimes even more. That was not happening as much. It was a lot tighter game. Like I said, 27 to 37, it's a pretty legit game, especially going over three. I mean, that's – you're not mad at that. If you just told me that before the game, I'd have said we probably lost. Right. Even, you know, even with the pick. But – but yeah, so it was it was definitely better. It was better. I just I needed to see some consistency out of him, and uh, and just trusting a little bit more, man. I mean, it, you've kind of seen it. It's like it was almost like we were, you know, what three and seven, you know, two and seven, you know, before the Denver game, and it was kind of like throw your hands up, like. He started kind of – he brought Hall in and started letting him get some run and sent him on a blitz, got him a sack, you know, kind of thing. Bringing in some, you know, some other guys and just kind of letting them run around. Hunter's running around, a bunch of other guys, you know. It was almost like when he, like, got loose with it a little bit and just kind of stopped stressing so much and just started, like, I'm just going to throw guys in there. I'm going to put them in positions to do a little bit more man coverage and, and just play a little more, you know, man-on-man type ball. It's been better. So quit overthinking it. And it was was play. It it was better, you know. It it was better. I mean, some of the numbers may not sound like a DK Metcalf, eleven catches for ninety yards. Had a couple catches taken away by review, and then Tyler Lockett, three catches, sixty-eight yards, and a touchdown. I I think we both thought that Rocky Asin had it. His first rough game in silver and black has been very under underrated, under the radar, good right. this year. Was not good yesterday. But um, what did you think about Rock? It's tough, man, because I think Rock, out of everybody, has probably been outside. I mean, outside of Max Crosby, obviously, he's been the most consistent guy in this defense. And, I mean – you think about it, it looked – I guess it looked worse than it actually was because it seemed like Rock was getting roached out there. But, I mean, you're talking three – I mean, I get it. It was 100%. You know, Lockett was against him for, you know, three for three for 68 yards. But, dude, if you if you'd have told me that, I'd also been like, hey, man, well, at least you slowed Lockett down. You know, you didn't let him go for a buck 20. You know, so I, it's kind of hard to – to be too, too tough on him on that, but this it really was. It, it did look worse than that, and I guess maybe because he's 
he has when it comes to rock, I just feel like he's one of those guys. He just plays sound football. He's not out there. He's not making big plays, but he's not allowing big plays either. So that I can at least respect. He's been one of the most constant guys out there, been a straight pro handling his business. So I'm going to give him a, a bit of a pass, but yeah, this was the worst we've seen him play for sure. I mean, he, you know, but Lockett's a tough guy to cover. So not making any excuses. We need you to, you know, we went and, we went and ditched unique for you, man. We need you to come through. So. Yeah, and, he, and you're right. He's largely has done that this year. A lot of metrics had him as a top 10 in yeah. pure coverage coming into this game. And a lot of it's hard to – it was hard to argue with. Um, and, yeah, he didn't get – you know, he didn't just get out absolutely burnt out there or anything like that. He wasn't, you know, burnt toast out there. But he did give up more than what he was accustomed to. Um, and it just stood out a little bit. But – Raspy, one thing I do want to ask you before we, before I let you you go here, I know you're a busy guy, but I just feel like it has to be just briefly touched on. You don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I'm starting to see this talk out there again on social media, Raider Twitter, some of these podcasts. Uh, even some of the beat writers have mentioned it, Mo, Mort uh, Mo Morton um, and some other ones. I'll just ask you straight up, Raspy. This isn't ask Raspy, but I'll ask you anyway. Is it happening again? Are the Raiders starting to heat up at the right time? Is there any way that they can conjure up the ghost of last season down the stretch? Is there any chance of that in your eyes? I'm going to say no, and the difference is is that we didn't dig ourselves this big of a hole last year or even the past three, four years, man. I mean, we were two and seven, guys. You know, <laughs> just trying to be real with it, man. When you dig yourself, you know, I mean, we're – let's. so where, where are we at right now? Let's think. So we're at least – but we are four and seven now. Dude, we're five games out of our own division behind the Chiefs. I think we're at least three games behind the Chargers. The twelfth in the AFC right now. Yeah, you've got you still gotta play the Chiefs. You still gotta play the Chargers. Not saying that we couldn't get up and play, but man, you've got a lot of work to do. And if if it, if we would have done this two weeks earlier and snuck a game, you know, actually finished that game against Jacksonville, then then maybe we're talking. But at this point, man, you've dug yourself too much of a hole. I mean, I don't nine and eight is not going to get you there in the, in in the AFC. I don't believe unless things just started going completely bonkers and haywire in the next few weeks. Ten and seven, I do believe, would get you there. But that means you cannot lose again. And at this point, with even as much as we're rolling right now, and I kind of foresaw some of this. That when it's like we're never we've been in positions where it's like man just okay just lose out and get a really good draft pick no we're not going to do that at that point we're just going to start winning so because of the simple fact that of that yeah we're going to win a few more games but I don't see us finishing any better than nine and eight because you got some tall orders ahead of you man and nine and eight just ain't going to get you there and that's if you go what. 
five and one in the next six games. Nah, sorry guys. I, I would I it would be awesome. Believe me, I'm rooting for it. Hell yeah. Roll through, bro. Roll through the next freaking seven games, eight games, whatever it is, and go into the playoffs as a freaking firecracker. I just don't see it happening. It's a tall order. Too much. You got too far behind. This run is great in this, but let's face it, we won two games in a row. Don't get too excited, guys. I'm not trying to, you know, sound like a third, but you won two games in a row. And before that, you just, you ran yourself into a, a pretty big hole to dig out of this one. It would be historic. Let's just say that. Go back and run it back. The team that's went two and seven and made the playoffs, even in a 16-game season, I can guarantee you it's uh you might find one or two. So, yeah, go make history. But do I think it'll happen? No. Sorry. Long long story short or short story long, I should say. No, nah, I think we got we dug too much of a hole, man. It's unfortunate. But at least if we're progressing and we can figure out a freaking plan, I'll take that at this point. Look, football power index says if we win out, we have a 90% chance to get in. Which is great. Oh, I agree with that. I think ten and seven gets you in. Well, I know, but but that's just the, the that's the data supporting that. I just need to see at least three more wins in a row before I can get on. And I just beat the actually beat the Chargers, and I might start to wake up a little bit. I still won't quite be there, but if you beat the Chargers, you give yourself a chance. And what? How many of the next? We have a bunch of home games as well in in this next group of games. We have, I think. Is it four out of the last six or at home or something like that? So I think I think you're right. You win your home games, you give yourself a chance. The the Chiefs game is that's a big old bullseye right there. I don't know. I don't think I don't see it happening yet either. But when when the next two to three in a row, and I might I might change my mind honestly. If they can get the next three in a row, I might get on board with that. But that's still well, a long yeah. Way. You go if you go be the Chargers, the Rams. You know, in L.A., and I know the Rams ain't much right now, but I'm just saying, you go beat the Chargers at home, you go beat the Rams on the road, and then you come home and uh, allow McDaniels to beat up the, you know, his former team and beat the Patriots, who have a, a damn good defense and can be one of those teams that can, like, sneakily kick your ass, you know, out of nowhere. I mean, you still got a team in the Steelers who have a decent defense, the 49ers who have a good defense, and then you got that dude to to end it all. And uh, like I'm with Art. <laughs> You're going to have to go win more than two in a row for me to start buying in. You go win two or three more, and you start a four or five-game winning streak, then we'll talk about it. We promise you, Nation, we will. Yeah, I mean the next three wins and or the next three games rather are very winnable games. We'll see that. We'll see that doesn't always mean something with the Raiders, although they do play their best football against their best their best opponents for whatever reason. And um, but then they have some un some underwhelming opponents coming up, so you just never know what to read with this team. But go get two or three more, and we'll revisit that topic. I promise you. If we beat the Patriots, having won the all three of these games, then we'll we'll. We'll have a special segment yeah. on, on the show about that, I promise. Absolutely. Well, Raspy, you got anything else on this big win or No, man, I just I'm enjoying it, man. I mean, it's 
And I could sit here and be like, oh, it's just costing us, you know, positioning and draft, whatever, man. It's, I, I'd rather have a week where we, you know, two weeks of back-to-back walk-off, you know, OT wins. It's It's been cool, man. I've been chilling. I'm, I'm okay with that. So, you know, you got to take the good with the bad when it comes to this nation. We've been through it all. And anybody that has watched this team for <laughs> – 10 years plus, you know, I'm going on, you know, damn near 40. <laughs> I have to age myself, but I, I never get to the point where I'm, I'm ever going to bail. I mean, I'm still here. So, I, you know, I, I like the wins and we can get them, especially when they're, you know, record-breaking wins, when you got a guy like Jacobs just going off and just going ballistic and doing things that just normal people can't do, let's be honest. What he did last night or yesterday afternoon was flat out ridiculous. Very impressive, man. So we're showing some progression. Looks like McDaniels is going to be here. So, hey, man, show me some progression, man. Let's work on, you know, keeping that thing rolling. And, uh, you know, I mean, what else can you say? You, you got to hang on, man. It's nation for life, baby. It's not nation for a week. It's nation for life. Absolutely, man. And that's well said, guys. And I want to remind you that we're going to be doing uh, Captain Walk the Plank. That's going to be a standalone segment once again. So make sure to keep those notifications on for that. And also ask Raspy. There's still, I think we have one of our questions locked in, but we still have some more slots that I haven't decided yet. So we still have a couple more days there. Get your questions in if you haven't already. I'm still going to be going over those for the next couple of days. And then, of course, big game, big divisional game, the Chargers coming in. We remember the setting and the stakes the last time the Chargers were in Vegas. And uh, we got to beat them again to keep our season alive. So make sure to keep those, again, keep those notifications on because we're going to be dropping the Raiders-Chargers preview show towards the end of the week. And uh, lots of intriguing matchups to break down in that one. So you don't want to miss that one as well. Um, real that- quick, real quick, I got to jump in there and I got to give AJ Cole another nod, man, with the heads calling OT, baby. <laughs> yep, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Sorry to jump in on you. I know you're trying to send us off, but I, I had that in my notes and I'm like, man, just send AJ Cole out there to make every coin toss. Do that from the from the word jump every week. Absolutely. Yeah. I drove down and iced him again in OT. Um, Derek Carr, by the way, the top winning percentage, I believe, in NFL history and overtime. So just another bizarre stat for the up and down kind of strange tenure of Derek Carr with the Raiders. But uh, that should just about do it for this, guys. For my co-host, Raspy Raider, this is Raider Hart, your host here, leaving you for now. But again, guys, watch out for the content coming later this week. Get your minds ready for this big game this weekend. But you, you, I think you still have a couple more days to soak this one in and enjoy the big win out in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. But until then, guys, enjoy it. Don't work too hard. Be safe. And, man... Is there any way that the Raiders can get can keep this thing going with the Chargers coming in and once again, just win, baby?